Yeah, I like messing with kids. I'm sorry. Uh, hey, uh, we've been talking about Saul and how, uh, Paul, I told you that we would, uh, would wrestle with that uh, coming up. But names matter, okay? Names have, have a different, they identify with what's going on, and, and we're going to really uh, dig into this today. Um, I took some names so once you start digging into names, I started looking into name meanings, okay? So I have some name meanings. Uh, for us, uh, Jacelyn, it comes from the word Jace, and it means that the Lord is salvation. And we took Janie uh, as God is gracious. Now, my wife's name is Danielle, and it's a form of Daniel, which is God is my judge. And my name is John. And my name uh, means Jehovah has given, or a gift from God. Now, but there's even deeper, a little bit of meaning into that, is my father's name is David. And so my dad, I was named John because we were sort of best friends. If you take back from the Old Testament, kind of, ver, uh, the Old Testament story. And I'm sure a lot of your names have meaning. So I took... And I only did this for the men because I didn't know, I didn't want to offend any females if I looked at it, because I don't know all the, the names, but I took some men's names of uh, what they mean. Uh, Brad means broad or wide. One of my favorites is Doug. Dark River. Or Black River. I, sort of, I was like, that's pretty cool. I, get, I see this one, uh, Brian, if you uh, know Brian, high or noble. He definitely gives off that noble character, doesn't he? Uh, Jay, uh, one of also of our elders, is to rejoice. And then this one is Bob. Bob, who is up here, means bright or fame. And I like that, like, very famous, Bob, very fi- famous. God, if we look through Scripture, God does change names uh, throughout time. You, the, you have in Genesis 17, 5, uh, Abram to Abraham. And then you have Jacob to Israel in Genesis 32, 28. And God does change names, but he doesn't change Saul to Paul. Saul is called Saul until Acts 13, 9. Because multiple times, it's not this transformation once once Saul was following Jesus, it, there's many times Jesus addresses Saul, Saul in Acts 9, 4. And Ananias calls Saul in Acts 9, 17. And then even in Acts 13, 2, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barabbas and Saul. Saul is called uh, Saul 11 more times even after his conversion. But in Acts 13, 9, it says, But Saul, who is also called Paul, was filled with the Holy Spirit. And from this point on, he is considered and called Paul. And who and why does this happen? And that is, one is the author Luke changes here. So point number one is Saul is Paul. Most people ask or try to figure out, when did Saul become Paul? And there's some different variation reasons During this time, it was a custom to have dual names. Before he began following Christ, he would use his Hebrew name, Saul, which actually 
would probably come back from King Saul. Could be a different reason, but that is one option. But sometimes when we when he was a follower and believer of Christ, it changed to his Greek name. He became Paul. And this wouldn't be uncommon. Many Greek-speaking Jews in Paul's day would have had Jewish Hebrew names with the Hellenistic Greek name. I like this in the article by Greg Linner on the subject that says this, When Saul slash Paul launches his Gentile-focused ministry among primarily Greek speakers, beginning with Acts 13.9, it's natural for Luke, the author of Acts, to begin referring exclusively to him by his Greek name. Nor is it surprising that he later refers to Paul in Jerusalem since there were Greek speakers there too. Indeed, Luke could be making a thematic point by shifting from Saul to Paul around chapter 13, given the broader theme of Acts. After all, the church's nucleus is shifting from a predominantly Jewish center, Jerusalem, to a Greek center, end of the earth, such as Rome. We were talking down in Sunday school, and this is something that we've continued to talk about all the way from Acts 2. We are now, God is going out to the nations. He's reclaiming the nations, and he's starting to go out. This is a, a, a big shift. And Acts 13 is another huge one where now Paul is a missionary out to the Gentiles. Paul is now heading out to the people that were on the outside. He is now bringing them in. And let's dig into this reading. As I said earlier, we're Acts 13, 39, and 45 uh, through 49. But before I read that, the reason you're asking, well, if Saul is Paul, why such the big debate? Why, why worry about it? Why waste time about it? The reason why I bring this up is in so many times in Scripture, we can have a, con- a conception of how things are, but it's wrong. A lot of people believe that Jesus changed his name. Well, that's not in the Scripture. So we have to have a correct view of Scripture to be able to take it out to other people. Like another example is the wise men and everyone, the nativity scene. Everyone showing up and standing in perfect unison. Not saying you have to take the nativity scene down at home or anything like that, but I am also saying like we can let culture and we can let those things influence what the Bible doesn't say. And if we can let that start happening with small things, then it can actually lead to bigger things. It's not always the first thing. When we let the first thing in, it can corrupt a lot. And so we don't want that to happen. So understanding the power of the name it's huge in this example, but we also have to understand it properly and understand that, that even a small thing like that of being transformed, we need to understand and handle it correctly. So Acts 13, 38, 39 says this, Therefore, my friends, I want you to know that through Jesus, the forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. Through him, everyone who believes is set free from every sin a justification you were not able to obtain under the law of Moses. Now we'll go to 45 through 49. When the Jews saw the crowds, they were filled with jealousy. They began to contradict what Paul was saying and heaped abuse on him. 
Then Paul and Barabbas answered them boldly, We had to speak the word of God to you first, since you rejected it and do not consider yourselves worthy of eternal life. We now turn to the Gentiles, for this is what the Lord has commanded us. I have made you a light for the Gentiles, that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. When the Gentiles heard this, they were glad and honored the word of the Lord. And all who were appointed for eternal life believed. The word of the Lord spread through the whole region. We have to talk. You see here that he's going to all the nations. It has fully begun. Two points that I want to stick out, though, to you as we go there, because we're going from a Jewish culture. Now we're going to the Gentiles. Why are we doing this? What's going on? What is the law? There's two points that really that the faith of Jesus Christ and the purpose of that, that the law couldn't provide. So these are two huge things that Jesus provides that the law, which the Jewish people would follow, couldn't provide. One was forgiveness of sin. You can see in verse 38, we just read it. I want you to know that through Jesus, the forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. Do you know that today? Do you live that? The freedom of sin, because of the weight of your sins, is gross and huge. That's what was cast on the cross. Jesus forgave that. Have you, any of you had any of those sins that you look back today and still wonder if God really forgives it? There's this conundrum where sometimes you're like, I've asked for God to forgive me like 50 times over this one sin because it's a big one or you think it's bigger. But then when you question that, you're thinking you're, Jesus isn't big enough. I would say uh, sometimes you, ha- you have to give it over. You have to let Jesus be king, but also realize that you are still that sinner. You're still that sinner, but let God take it over. Let God be there. And that's a, that's a big thing. There are still people right now, and I know that you might be in your 70s, but you still remember something when you did when you were 19. It's affected you that long because you did not handle it properly and give it on the cross that God, Jesus did not die on that cross just to forget that one sin. He died for them all. The thing is, is did you give it all over to him? Forgive, repent, turn to him. And the second point is that the justification before the throne of God. In verse 39, it says, through him, Jesus Everyone who believes is set free from every sin. A justification you were not able to obtain under the law of Moses. And I think it's put really well here by Wearsby. He says this, Justification is the act of God, whereby he declares the believer center, righteous in Jesus Christ. It has to do with the believer standing before the throne of God. 
The Jews were taught that God justified the righteous and punished the wicked. But God justifies the ungodly who will put their faith in Jesus Christ. The law cannot justify the sinner. It can only condemn him. God not only forgives our sin, but he also gives us the very righteousness of Christ and put it on our account. Have you ever done something and you got grace when you didn't deserve it? So when I was a kid, I don't know if you know this or not, I, I got in trouble with my parents. I don't know. I know it's a shock to a lot of you. You know, just pushing the envelope a little bit. I was the one that I, I don't remember what I got in trouble for. I do remember one time when my brother said something to mom that crossed the line and the fear of God came on me. And I wasn't even the one that said it. But we did have a paddle. And we would go and, you know, have that time. Not scared of mom's paddle at all. But if dad was home, we know it was coming. And my dad did a great job of communicating what's going on. Like a, being repentant, there's consequences, like handled it totally like a father should. And I had had many spankings. I have earned them. I had earned every one that I got. And I was bent over. And I was like, this is not going to be fun. Not going to be fun at all. And all of a sudden, I just, you almost hear the wind going back. You know, it's like, what is he doing? And as he pulls it back, and then he pulls it forward, I hear this huge, but I didn't feel anything. And I was like, I thought I had like gotten super strength from all the paddling I got. But then I turned and my dad had taken the paddle and hit it against his hand. And he turned it and it was bright red. Red as so much, like just like an apple red. And turned and he goes, that's grace. Something I did not earn at all. I deserved the paddle. I deserved it, but he took it for me. Something of grace. That is what Christ has done, even to a million degrees more. But what a great example. Because, and this is why, because I was my father's son. My name mattered. My name, I was a Pels. My dad was a pals. He's, we're in the family. If you're in God's family, you are a son or daughter to him. The name matters. Your name in Christ matters. It's just not said brothers and sisters for just, a, oh, sons and daughters, just for like giggles. Like, no, we are sons and daughters of God because we are in his family. And he wants his family to extend. And that's what's happening here in Acts 13. It's extending to the Gentiles. And this leads on to the next point in verse 48, which is, don't dictate who hears the word. 
Because if we look at verse 48, we, we, don't, we can't pick and choose who hears the word of God. In verse 48, it says this, When the Gentiles heard this, they were glad and honored the word of God. And all who were appointed for eternal life believed. Here's the shocker. At one point, we were all far from God. I get it that there are people of peace and there are people that are in closer relationship and have heard the word. But I think so, that so much, and one of our struggles today is we are starting to pick and choose who gets to hear the word of God or if they have any time for it. It's like, I'm not going to deal with that or I'm going to pick and choose who hears the word of God. That is not what we are called to do. We are called to love everyone. We are called to spread the good news to everyone. This story is for someone far from God. This was someone that these Gentiles were far from them. But when they heard the good news that they could be accepted in the family, what did they, what did they do? They were glad. They were excited. I will tell you, from that day on, I was glad I didn't get spanking that day. I was happy. I was glad to tell the story today. I told the story to a bunch of other people about me not getting spanked. And I spread the news. Are you glad to tell other people about it? Do you tell other people about it? To the Gentiles, to, to others, to those that are far, to those that might be not as far, we have to be able to spread the news of Jesus. As we know so, so well, is our time is limited. In Scripture, we are but a mist. But a mist in time. I'm going to finish how I started. The Saul and, name, Saul and Paul's name debate really doesn't matter, but there is one name that does, and that's the name of Jesus. There is the name of Jesus. Jesus gives us forgiveness of sins. And we are justified before the throne of God because of that. Jesus' name means God is salvation or the Lord is salvation. Joseph and Mary did not choose this name. It was from heaven. He was called Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus was the Greek form of Joshua, which name means Savior. Casper Oblivionus said this, Since God, who cannot lie, commanded from heaven that his Son manifested in the flesh be given this name Jesus, that is, Savior, I know for certain that, and have assurance that he fully and perfectly saves me body and soul. Faithful is he who bears the splendor name of Jesus. He will do what he promised. All I know is that God has now gone out to the Gentiles, and his name is the only one that matters. Do you take his name out to others, not judging who hears it, 
but gives the good news freely because it is good news. We can look out in our culture today and be honest. There are a lot of things in culture today that go against what God wants. And that's true. And I believe us as Christians, we have to stand on truth. We have to be able to know what the Scripture says, live it out. But I think at the same time, we have to love our enemies. We have to love those. I'm not just saying it for what I... It's what the Scripture says. And loving them is giving them good news to be in the family. Now, this is where I believe Christianity's wrong in the sense of how we've gone out into the world. We've wanted people to come in, but we've compromised what the Bible says. So we're willing to take different parts, be like, yeah, we just want you here, but we'll compromise. I'm not asking to compromise. Do you think Paul slash Saul ever compromised? They, they didn't compromise the scripture. They didn't compromise the word, but they went out with it because the word is good and true and holy and it's great and it's powerful and there's actual change in the scripture. It wasn't because they had a pizza party and they brought more people in and it was like, yes, that's great. But I will say this, you have a neighbor probably across the street that you can invite over for pizza that you can share the good news with, live it out. And love, love your neighbor as yourself. It's the second, love God, love people. Jesus is now changing the law and broke it down and now he's made it so that we can live it out. And if it's hard for you, I pray that you go to the Holy Spirit and you pray for God's guidance. That the Holy Spirit and the Bible direct you. Remember, the Holy Spirit and the Bible will never contradict each other. So live it out. Love your neighbor. And here's, here's the shocking thing. Even when the Gentiles found it, they weren't perfect. Okay? Here's the shock. None of us are perfect. None of us are perfect. We just found the perfect one, and now we're in the perfect family. And our job is to bring more into the family. Our job is to love others, to bring them into the family. Now, most of you know, and some of you are, are, are newer, uh, we, and we've talked about this last week, we, we lost a, uh, someone huge in this church. Max. We had the funeral and we had it all. And I said this at the, the service. It's one of my favorite parts. Was having a conversation the night before the funeral with my daughter. Talking about being in the family. Six years old. Talking about what's it like to go to heaven having these deep theological conversations with someone that should have been in bed two hours ago, but willing to have it because I care so much about her soul. She has the last name Pels, just like my dad. 
And one day I will probably have to do the same spanking with my hand. But the only thing I want her family to be in is in Jesus' family. That's all I care about. And that's one thing that we've talked about is that's the family Max is in. It's the family you're in. It's the family others are in. If you believe that, what a gift, what an amazing thing. Let's not lose that family. And let's go out and invite more people into the family with the gospel of the good news. Let's sing and worship.